Marketing Made Easy, the podcast. Now here are your hosts from Get Savvy Club, Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Marketing Made Easy by the Get Savvy Club. I'm Anita Baldwin and I'm here as usual with my sidekick, Anna Geary. Hello. I'm good. Apart from I've got a spot, it's really annoying me as well. It's really like... I just colour it brown and do like a Cindy Crawford. So today, we've, we've uh, yeah, the, the guest that we got on today, by chance I just came across him because Podbean, where we ha- where we put our, we have our podcast on obviously lots of different platforms, but Podbean is where it's hosted. Um, it randomly just started playing me the, an episode that he was on with some on somebody else's podcast that I'd never listened to before. So I was like, oh, actually, this guy's pretty interesting. So I thought, um, you know, I'd reach out and get him onto our podcast as well. So um, he lives out in Singapore, um, runs a podcast business. But what I find really fascinating... He's living my life. He's travelled all around the world, lived in Japan... New Zealand, just travelled all around the world and now is living in Singapore. And um, that's my dream. If I, like I don't like it, I'll just it. move on one day. It's those yeah. kids yeah. Yeah. holding me back. <laughs> They'll probably have like babies really early on and then you'll just be like one of those grandmas that live for the babies. Have <laughs> you met me? <laughs> to live for my own babies. <laughs> no wrong there. I quite like the idea of being a grandma. Anyway, not yet. Um, but one of the things that we're speaking about in in this podcast episode for me, which you've really got to think about, especially if you're a product business, you can't hide behind your brand. Sometimes people take so much effort and time to create like this logo and it's all about what this logo looks like and the colours and the fonts. And actually we want to know you more and more. We want to know the human behind the business that we're working with and I don't know I think it was already happening before the lockdown the p- pandemic all, all of that I think it was already a movement that was happening but I think even more so since that now people want to be connected to people not faceless corporations so it's fantastic this guy Graham what he does is he tries to help these corporates have more of a, a human side to them not just um, a name of a company because I-, I, I used to work for someone and uh, the, it was like oh tell them we've been around for this many years and I myself when I work there I think well I don't care about that so why why are they going to care about that you don't care it's not how long someone's been established it's what outcomes they're going to get for you not the fact they've been around for a million years what I think is really interesting is that when you've got your own business and um, you look at the people on you know the big companies who advertise on the tv and they've spent millions on marketing and you're like oh if only I had their resources but I'm kind of struggling along and actually what's happening now is those big corporates are kind of taking a leaf out of the small entrepreneurs books and saying actually we need to give a face behind this brand um, and because you know we say to people all the time people buy people so get yourself out there and let people know who you are so that they want to work with you and we work with a lot of people not a lot of people but sometimes we work with people who have put their logo on as their profile picture on either Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever and we're like no no put a picture of yourself on and it's difficult for the great big you know 20,000 workers businesses to do that but I guess Graham's found a way to help them to kind of show the human side of their business because they realize how important it is and you know as um, small businesses and people who own and run our businesses it's really easy for us to do that so actually that's an advantage we've got isn't it I know we don't have like 10 million to spend on marketing but we do have that but you've got to think of the positives haven't you the the pros of being a smaller business is the fact that you can just bootstrap you can just um change things on a whim that's not working stop it whereas these big faceless corporates it takes so long for change we used to call it when i was in like a massive global business and we wanted to change something we used to call it turning the super tanker 
because that's what it felt like. And you've got to go mm. like, you probably do another 50 miles just slowing it down. Then you've got to try and turn it around. So actually to make change happen, you're like, okay, we like, here's our five-year plan to make this change. And in a, in a small mm. business, you go, yeah, all right, I'll just do it like this from now on. Yeah. And it's great. Yeah, I'm going to stop that. I'm going to start yeah. that from now. Yeah. <laughs> so interesting so guy, definitely. And um, obviously living an interesting life in Singapore. Not that he told us that much about it, did he? Well, maybe it's a, a one of those things, it's a secret. And people that are there uh, don't don't want first rule of living in Singapore. They like it. Yes, yes. <laughs> don't tell anyone that you live there. <laughs> anyway, let's get into it. <laughs> let's get into it. If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review, and subscribe. I'm a storyteller, so that's what I do, and that's how I get paid. It was one of those things that, as a kid, would get you into trouble. You know, your mum would oh. say, "Don't tell stories," <laughs> <laughs> and that was always a bad thing. You've always got scolded for that. But somehow I managed to make that pay through a very convoluted journey. But many years later, storytelling being podcasting. So I help brands tell stories, particularly corporates, large management consultancies and banks who need to, in many ways, and has really been expedited in the last couple of years with what's going on in the world, put a human face yeah. on their communication. Yeah, so I was going to say they try to humanise themselves, are they, by... Very much so, you know, for many different reasons. And at the same time, I think their traditional channels of marketing and communications have been challenged. You know, they're not investing in conferences like they used to because they're just not happening anymore. And people are looking at how can we go digital with our communications and marketing? And that's where we are. That's one form, one channel. To me, that sounds like a tough gig to get corporates to uh, become more human. Uh, we, we help people uh, track clients using social media. And uh, yeah, undoubtedly, it is it is tougher when you're working with someone that's been you know, in that corporate world all their life. And then they've, they're, now they've got their own business, for example, and they want to get out there and they, they mm. do struggle. So I imagine if you're still in that corporate world, going out there and telling stories and, and being yourself and being human would be even, even bigger. As, as well, how does again. a corporate or a bank or something like that have a podcast it's an interesting question i mean you're right i mean how do they do this because traditionally they're being taken the other way it, you know many you don't want to whip out that stuffy ceo and to get him on there probably do you there's not that many around the board table who've got the personality to get out there surely they have the personality but the problem is is that if you think about it, the whole model of business is an industrial model which is all about efficiency, really. You think of the factory model, which banks, management consultancies, law firms, manufacturers, it's all an industrial model. Think about traditional communications like PR. So if you go onto TV or you go onto radio, it's all heavily controlled. You know, you have handlers, you want the questions beforehand. You can't ask Mr. So-and-so that question. So that's traditional because it's about efficiency. It's about... How do we eliminate the chances that this will go wrong? And that's traditional communications, which has always been about controlling the message, yeah. you know, like a pipeline, make sure the pipeline doesn't leak. And therefore, the people that you mention will then come across as inhuman, uncaring, and without personality, because that's been extracted from them as a result of the process. But yeah, and sometimes that's how they got to the top as well. Was, oh, you know, yeah. Well, they played the game. Being, right? Saying the right thing at the right time to the right... I was terrible when I had a job, by the way, because I couldn't do all these things that these 
super people can do to get to the top of that but obviously they're ultimately or not ultimately but a lot of them aren't their real self when they went by the time they, they get to the be. top how did you get into the into this because that's not always been the thing that you did what did what did you do before this? Oh, well i've always been in communications and uh you know in 1999 i set up a mobile communications um agency in research and because I've always been, I mean, my background is psychology and artificial intelligence. I was always interested in how people communicate, whether it's language, cultures, mm. or relationships. And psychology was just a way of understanding it. So how could I take that into the corporate world? I was seeing the boom of mobile communications in the late 90s, young kids using mobile phones. I'd been living in Japan in the 90s, saw Japanese high school girls texting in yeah. 1996 took that back to the UK and thought, oh, this is going to happen. <laughs> this yeah. is going to go global. Knocked an all, wrote a report, knocked on all the doors of the mobile phone companies in 1998, 99. And they all said, we don't do kids. Not interested. 98, 99. <laughs> yeah. And I said, no, wait, hang on a second. I've seen the future. It's young people communicating, sharing and sending messages. Now, no, we're, we're focused on road warriors. It was all road warriors back then. It was all middle-aged. It's funny because it's, People don't like change, do they? Even people are leading like businesses that are supposed to be at the forefront of technology, but essentially they're like, oh no, this is our market. This is what we focus on. We don't want to change and we're not willing to, you know, see outside of our own thinking. Outside of their thinking part is really dealing with people that they don't understand. So when you're talking about branding, branding is a dehumanizing process. It's effectively taking a company and representing it with a clown or a logo or a mascot rather than a person. Yeah. But people follow people, not brands right that's the yeah. reality today so when you go into these companies whether it's a mobile phone company or, or a management consultancy or a bank it's all about how do we unlock the humans inside this business and get them talking give them a voice because that is what people care about i don't care about your brand i don't care about your logo i don't care about your corporate mission statement i care about you that person you might be the ceo or the postroom person but i care about you and i connect with you and that is the challenge of marketing today. Marketing has to be about how do you build around people and people's stories, not brands, because brands are proxies for people. That was how the do you do that model. in a corporate environment that might have 20,000 people in there? Well, in 20,000 people, 5% will want to do this, which is great. So, you know, do yeah. the maths on that. It's like there's the problem is, is they've never been given the bandwidth to do it anita that's the problem they never had somebody who gave them the green light everybody's got a story to tell hmm. yeah so you just go and use the podcast as the vehicle to publish those stories so your job is to get the stories out of the people and put it yeah. out via a podcast is that right? well they have they have a, a you know a, a broader mission statement with or mission with what they want to do in terms of their messaging and now the podcast it fits into that so you know for example we work with a bank who not on the retail side so it focuses on high net worth individuals or family offices so they're selling to them yeah. effectively so it's like how do you make that work they can't sell through the podcast but what they can do is they can present their people and yeah this is what their people know this is you know this is what you need to know about precious metals in december that kind of thing or this is what you need to know about electric vehicles or bitcoin and yeah, they'll, they'll just create like a go-to yeah. for that building trust i mean you know no light trust that's mm. for them how they do it build their funnel yeah when i was listening to you on another podcast graham i heard that um because you're not actually here in the although everybody that's listening can hear you've got a uk accent you're not in the uk are you, you now mm. have moved so uh tell the listeners like 
where you live and how how you ended up being there i live in singapore i left the uk in 2012 um i had a that telecoms business we sold the business i basically got tired of it it run its course we'd done just over 12 years of it sold the business and then we had a conversation me and my wife my son was six at the time and we said like what do we do i really don't want to start another business which is what a lot of entrepreneurs do do actually yeah, they sell a business from one yeah again it's what know. they know isn't it they only know the noise and the activity and the addiction to all of that and then but i was really starting to ask bigger questions about what i wanted to do so we said i don't want to start a business and i don't need to really so we basically packed everything we just basically decluttered all our stuff so sold everything didn't just sell yeah. the business sold everything you know everything oh, that must have felt amazing it was because we i've yeah. got a picture of my son standing next to three suitcases no, that's all that's you owned all we, that's all we had and then we yeah. we I'd love that. I, I, I had a van actually i dropped a whole bunch off at my mum's house like <laughs> never saw that stuff again that just got mothballed yeah, somewhere yeah. and then um, we decided we bought a one-way ticket to new zealand because it was the other side of the world we flew to new zealand and then we traveled the world for just about six years Wow! Just out of three, so we we stayed. Like we lived places, but yeah. the whole point was like we were going to travel around and experience. So, life does your and, son feel like he is British, or just like no real allegiance to any particular country? It's an interesting question. This, mm. You know, I don't think the conversation comes up that you know who am I, and it's not really. You know, he doesn't define himself that way, mm, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, he does. He ha does he sound British? Yeah, I mean, he goes to a British school. Oh, yeah. It's an international school, so mm. obviously he's impacted by that. But he doesn't feel a strong allegiance there. But it's just part of his heritage. He's half Japanese, yeah. half British, anyway. All oh, right, okay. So you know, it's like for him, it's just normal. So he just lives on the world. Well, yeah. boundaryless. Yeah, why not? Yeah. You know, I think we need it in this day and age. We, you know, look at work now. It's it's like we're talking and we're on the other sides of the planet talking to each other and this is just normal isn't it? it's like nothing being at the fact that you went around the world what made mm. you settle in singapore because that's not uh, where either of you are from singapore's a great place i mean it's you know it, it's very familiar if you're from britain you're very familiar with the the culture obviously it's a very strong chinese influence here i think chinese, i saw a post Indian. that you put on linkedin i think you said like it's clean and it works that's it and i thought well what what more do you need what I, more I, do you I, think, want? I don't know if it was on that podcast or on a post that you did and i thought well clean and it works what what more do you want well if you're if you're growing a business yeah. that's kind of basic stuff i mean yeah. uh, before this we lived out in the canary Islands. well before 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 this lived in the canary islands out mm. in, off africa and uh you know that was pretty hard to do business out there when you don't have internet and i know we're probably spoiled but we are well come on i don't think it's being spoiled is it it's a basic and here, here's yeah. the other thing as well about living on islands because i've lived on a few uh, lanzarote okinawa for example right out in the east china sea these sort of subtropical islands i've lived on you know this is real instagram stuff but the reality is is actually after some time they get boring and yeah. that if you are an entrepreneur, which I am and you both are, is that you are driven by different things that, yes, you like all that kind of Instagram sunset type stuff. But the reality is, is that what really drives you is, is something different. And only I discovered this through traveling is that that lying on these tropical beaches, I thought I really miss 
like other people and the hustle yeah. and I li mm. miss the challenge and making stuff and that vibe that you get the camaraderie yeah. when you do stuff together I really missed all of that and it comes back to what makes you happy yeah because you know, I always feel happy. like that on holiday. I always feel like sunset. and so what another beach another so like they all could be the same you know like they literally could so it's just oh yeah that's nice and even when you go like even when we went to um Cornwall we went for the uh, like a long weekend and like <laughs> physically went to the beach I was like seen it now and i felt like well, yeah holidays that, that don't good. have to be on a beach do they I no don't do, see, like, for me i'd rather me, go and watch is, yeah i don't want to not work but i i do so that's why i want to combine travel with work which is so easy mm. to do these days isn't it and just go like you yeah. go and live mm. in france for a year and then go and live in switzerland for a year and then go and live in japan for a year and yeah. just like carry on why working but, you know well, i'll just follow leicester much. city i'll just follow leicester city round wherever they're playing you probably won't even get into Europe night next year, um, but yeah, I, I like to go places where you go. It's going to be around the UK sport. then, right? <laughs> yeah, well, Swindon. Yeah, Barnsley away on a Tuesday night. Guys. We're in the Premiership, guys. <laughs> Living the dream. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. So it's not. Yeah, but um, yeah. Get, well, motorsport. I like my motorsport. So they've got Singapore Grand Prix. So that looks. Yeah, cool well, we haven't had that for a few years. Ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they had it in Saudi Arabia, didn't they? They've decided Abu, Abu Dhabi up into that one, but they've had it in Singapore a few years ago. So there's good tracks over there. So, yeah, but you're right. Being around people, being around the hustle, being around yeah. things happening and moving and you growing is more important, I think, than just sat on a beach. And when people say yeah. that, no, you can have the best fun. of every world, can't mm -hmm. you? You can work a little bit, you can holiday yeah. a little bit, you can spend time with family and friends, yeah. you can go and see new places. You don't have to just mm -hmm. have your two week holiday where you're a bit bored and then come back and then you do your nine to five and you know, then you only have two days yeah. off at the weekend. You've got to get everything done. And life isn't like that anymore, thank God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can write your own story, right? That's the point. And for a lot of people, yeah. it is still like that, though. They still do live like that. Loads but that's their choice, isn't it? Life doesn't yeah, it, have to. It's, you can how you choose it, though. I, I would I would say it's a that choice for a lot of people, yeah, it is a I choice. I would say that they don't know any better because they, they only know success as a story which has been given to them by media, other people, parents, co-workers. Yeah, yeah, probably you know, because I was in corporate for years and it's only when I was in my 40s and went and set up on my own and then we started to get Savvy Club and all this is happening and my prevailing thought is why the hell didn't i do this 20 years ago yeah. it didn't occur to me it but then life was different 20 that. years ago wasn't it you know like the internet yeah, was yeah. in its infancy and there was no real e-commerce and there were still massive barriers mm. to entry on any kind of business whereas now the internet and wi-fi and all of that have just knocked all those down and actually it's to your advantage to be like a a small local bank rather mm. than a big corporate bank you can anyone can mm. do anything these days can't they yeah, yeah. but that's the I mindset think, isn't it that Yes, definitely. comes with the technology, yeah. but it trails it. The technology comes first, and then people think, actually, what if? Yeah, yeah. which I think people like do. The, the pandemic has, you know, created more entrepreneurs than ever. People doing side hustles and like just trying mm. to fill their time, like selling their hobby online and things like that, which is fantastic. Lots of them, you know, not doing it right and not making any money, but it's a learning curve, isn't it? So it's exciting. That's and that trap is still there for people though that get you know they go to university they get in debt from that and then they they, they feel mm. that they they should get uh, on the property ladder fast so they get a mortgage before they really should and then they get married and then they get a promotion which means they um their their life how much they trapped by out. salary yeah, yeah they're just they're just trapped and trapped and trapped and trapped and it's it is it's a big deal and it's hard to get off of that if you've got a family and you've got responsibilities it's, it's doable but it's, it's very scary isn't it that's that i guess that's well the that's point. it you have to 
you know, it's, it's a choice, isn't it, between fear mm. and comfort. Mm. Yeah. You know, I, and I think I heard Gary Vee say, like, he got a load of grief because he said, well, so he has then to go rent somewhere smaller and, you know, then do, uh, do that. And worst case scenario, you can go back and get a job and whatnot. And people are like, you're yeah. telling people to sell their house? That's outrageous. And it's like, well, why, you know, if you really wanted to try that thing, why not? You can always, you know, what if it works the, out? What if you could go and buy that house again in, that in cash? Those those people that are complaining have been told that the house that they have is the biggest investment they'll ever make, which yeah. is absolute rubbish. Yeah. It's like uh, you, the house you own is not an investment. Yeah, exactly. It's a millstone house, around house your neck. Somebody else lives in that you own mm. is an investment, but the house that you own is not an investment. But this is yeah. the point is that people have been told these stories and they believe in them. Yeah. And they believe because it benefits everybody. I think the key to anything, I mean, being a storyteller, whether you tell stories or you, you know, you help people tell stories is do it on their terms is that, you know, people can do that and that's fine as long as they know that that's an option. And I think that's the key is that, you know, the key to success really is being able to tell stories on your own terms and whether that is, you know, you want to live in a, a van and travel around the West yeah. country and surf, or you want to buy a nice house or you want to go and travel. The point is, is, that is that what they want to do if that's what they want to do yeah. then that's cool you know who, who are we to tell somebody mm. that that's not but the if right they're doing it because do. they're just the amount of um people that i speak to that are married and they they never men mostly never they didn't want to be married they didn't want to get married they just got railroaded into it like constantly it's just unbelievable like so i would say like the i can't comment so on that and if you're talking about yeah. men mostly no, you get into yeah, a dangerous area it? I am in a danger zone, but it's because I'm like anti-marriage and I've always thought it's like the weirdest concept to get married. So when I say that, um, and then people come up and go, oh my God, yeah, because I'm married and I never really wanted to be married. But I am because well, I just all my mates got married. Why do you then? Well, they are. No, that's all right. Right. <laughs> so then. Okay, there's tons of people. What about anti-wedding? I think we should be anti-wedding, don't you think? Oh, yeah, that's a Because yeah, yeah, weddings yeah. are like the biggest waste. Early on, you went uh, to the Far East, didn't you? So you... Yeah. Um, so Far East. I haven't heard it said called that for a while. I'm copying it's you. Like you called it that on that podcast I listened to the other day. And that's what made me think I'll call it the Far, Far East. Because it was like, we never had any concept about that back <laughs> when Orient. you were there. <laughs> the mystical yeah. area. No, but we didn't <laughs> have any concept of it because we didn't have the internet back then when you went or anything like that. So it was a big, did you just, how did you know to go there? How did you know you went? What, to the Far East? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's it unknown before the internet. Well, it was, it was not, like not unknown, but you, as a, you were young, weren't you? And you went to, oh, yeah. I still it wasn't young. like, yeah, you know, I was like, a lot okay. younger. The 90s, right, when was yeah. It? In the 90s, the early 90s, yeah. just bob off on your own to Japan. I think that's quite like... <laughs> I did, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but the thing is, Lester like, back same. then, like, Japan, it was still a thing. You know, I went to Japan and it was, you know, like exciting it was like toshiba and tdk tapes yeah. and sony and walkmans and stuff i was i was fascinated by that and if you're if you were sort of graduating in the 90s there really wasn't money alternatives if you wanted to go to somewhere exciting there wasn't silicon valley as it is now there wasn't any kind of you know europe wasn't really exciting it was the old world that was falling apart yeah that was the only place to go china isn't what it is now so for me i was just very intrigued by japan and what it offered and uh, I just wanted to go. I decided I was going to go. I was actually told to go by a careers instructor at university. Oh, just good for them. That's good. Normally they well, just say, oh, well. Just well, it was a bit office. of random. I, I, I told them I graduated in an AI degree, with an AI degree. And they were like, what the hell is an AI degree? Yeah. And then uh, 
didn't have any suggestions for me. So they said, go and teach English in Japan. So oh, I went. It was best thing I did. Didn't go and teach AI or anything like that, obviously. But, you know, I think at the time it made complete sense. It was a passport to go and see the world and see different things. And, uh, you know, I recommend it to everybody. Go and live somewhere else once in their life. Just really challenges a lot about what you know about yourself and about yeah. quote unquote reality. You know, what we see as a construct through no, yeah no such media. thing as reality is there because it's amazing what how we think is the norm just because that's mm. how we've always been raised and that's what we've seen around us and yeah. it's only when you get out of that that you go oh actually it can be whatever i want it to be and it, it's very freeing i imagine it it, it well it, in a way it's freeing but quite scary like take maps i see anna behind your head there's a world map it's a great mm. example when i went to japan i remember walking into my manager's office and this is in Tokyo, and this is in the 90s. So it was, you know, huge city, 30 million people. I wasn't used to this. Very, very high tech. Walked into the office. They had an old map on the wall. An old meaning it was a modern version, but it was like sort of faded. And I looked at it, and I was sitting waiting for my manager to meet her for the first time. And I thought, something's weird about this map. And it was the first time I ever saw a map where Japan was in the middle. Oh, yeah, Tokyo of course. was in the middle. And yeah. ever since then, I've sort of looked at maps. And here's the thing about maps. Maps are stories. So they're mm. not actual physical representations of the world. For example, if you look at the map, the Mercator projection, which is behind you there, Anna, which is like the standard. It's kind of got, you know, America on the left and Europe on the right. We think that that's what the world looks like. But, you know, one of the things that people don't realize is actually that there is also the opposite map to that. There's one called the South Up map. I don't know if you've ever seen this thing. It's crazy. No, so imagine turning the map upside down. Yeah. And you've got, so you've got Australia at the top and you've got like Europe at the bottom. And you look at that and you think, yeah, that's really screwed up. And then people say, well, you know, that can't be right because it's upside down. But in space, there is no up and no down. Yeah. That's correct as well. And you say, so what, why, why is it like that? Well, it's a story, isn't it? We've told for hundreds, maybe thousands of years that the people on this part were more important than the people on that part. And then people say, well, no, no, no. It's because of the compass points north. A compass doesn't point north. A compass points north and south at the same time. It's just that somebody yeah. decided to paint the N red. Well, I imagine it's because we started mapping the world first. So we just drew it in a way that suited us and put us well, smack bang in the centre. Yeah, exactly. That's the point, isn't it? Yeah. And that, you know, we were the ones that colonised the world first. Travelled around, yeah, which must have been really scary, mustn't it, back mm. in the day, when they genuinely thought the Earth was flat and they might just fall off it at any <laughs> Some moment. people still do, apparently. <laughs> no! So what are the big plans for you then? Is this it? Singapore forever? Or no? Well, forever is a long time, I know. Yeah. We're here for foreseeable future, and obviously my son still has to get through school. So there's all that to do. Um, but who How knows? How old is he now then? Can't do so he's 15. Oh, 15, okay. His GCSEs, yeah, yeah. Yeah. all of that. Same as our daughters of that age, yeah. Yeah, we're going through all that mocks and those yeah, kind of things. Yeah. So who knows? I don't know. I mean, there's no point, you know, I, for example, um, the option there, I said to him, look, if you don't want to go to university, that's absolutely fine with me. I'll give you half the money it would have cost me to send you to university. You go and start a business and travel the world. Yeah. So that will free us up off the hook which is great. Mm. And then who knows? I mean, I would love to think that, that once we build this podcast business and sell it, 
that we have some options and who knows yeah. you know would you ever move back to the uk do you think i can't say never ever yeah. which bit were you I'm from which bit are you from portsmouth oh okay so yeah down world. south down yeah south. i don't think i'd move back there if i had to move back but who knows you know yeah. it's like there's so much choice it's you know i i can remember being quite young in portsmouth at college and being in a pub and somebody said why do you ever want to leave Port pompey as they called it well yeah it's got everything Oh. it's like oh, <laughs> spoken by someone that's never left and yeah, yeah. maybe they went over isle of Wight on the ferry well isle of Wight was like, like a different continent like, to these yeah. guys right Even anyway two 16, questions yeah. we always ask our guests go for it the first one is to recommend a book so something that has helped you in business development um something that you would recommend um i'm currently reading the toyota way Oh, yeah. Which, yeah, I mean, I, I've read the Toyota Way and I've also read the Toyota Way to Lean Leadership. I'm a big fan of Toyota and the Toyota production system. Obviously, the whole startup movement has really inherited a lot of its thinking from Toyota. Mm. And, um, you know, the most profitable auto manufacturer of all time and the highest, the most reliable cars of all time. Yeah, I was going to say, they're reliable. The point about Toyota, really, it's not about building cars, it's about solving problems. So the Toyota production system was used in Starbucks, for example. Mm. When you think about, oh, well, wow. that's not a factory. But the whole point was, that how can yeah. you standardize process to free your people up to focus on what matters? So you think about a Starbucks barista standardizing the process of making a latte, everything from, you know, like the, the size of the jars to how they pour this stuff in, to you know the, the timing of stuff such that he or she can talk to the customers which is what yeah. matters right and think about that in your agency that what people do and this is the problem that most small businesses have is that they don't standardize the process so much of what they do is inferred knowledge stored in their head they can never grow they can never scale up the business and they can never free themselves up from the business because it's always dependent on them. Mm. And using the Toyota production system, for example, just ideas from it, just parts of it. Yeah. It's a slow process, small incremental gains every single day, like asking how do you solve problems. I think it's a revelation. It can work for a small agency. It can work for a billion-dollar auto giant. So. It's a great book. It will give you ideas, mm. even if you're nothing to do with auto. Yeah, I think they're that's what we that's what we love about this podcast. Because we always ask that question of every guest, and obviously that because if you if you didn't um, interrupt your patterns of what you're uh, watching, mm. listening to, reading, whatever, you end up just getting pulled down the same sort of uh, line, don't you? And, and they say, "Oh, you like you enjoyed that, so you like this." So then, if you if somebody random somebody told us to read, I can't remember what the book was called, but I was thinking, it "Doesn't sound like my kind of thing." So I purposely listened to it because of that, and then I actually really enjoyed it. So it's good to get different um, mm. different recommendations that, to open your brain up um, in a different way. So so uh, we always give away a copy of the book that's recommended to a listener. If they tag us, and um, you know they go into a competition, so that one will be up for grabs. And another awesome. question that we ask you um, is we are the get savvy club so what makes you savvy you can take that any way you want really i don't know a lot i have to confess and i am always you know i'm i am very much of the mind that there's a real joy in being a beginner and putting yourself at the bottom of the curve and not knowing 
yeah. and not and and saying you know one thing I've learned in my ripe old age is learning to say I don't know so I'm not savvy I like to think I don't know things and I would like to learn and put myself consciously into those environments I give you an example I, you allow me just to indulge you with a very small story my dad was in the marines and he had you know those marines have this very strange thing where they spin their rifles around when they're practicing it's kind of all that sort of showmanship and uh, i wasn't uh, i wasn't alive sort of alive i wasn't born when he was in the marines so i only saw kind of like the photos and stuff and i said dad what that's really dumb why do they do that and he said well it's so they can practice catching the rifle if they ever drop it and if you think about it it's like putting yourself in constant positions of failure so that when you do fail you can catch it and that's what i think unknowing is or not knowing is deliberately putting yourself in an environment where you don't know such that when you do face challenges you're equipped to deal with stuff and that means for example going and living in a different country or starting something new or learning something new or like anna says it's like reading that book because it's going to challenge you right that's what i feel the beauty of not knowing so maybe it's not the answer kind of you're expecting or wanted no, but it's kind of like answer, yeah. so i suppose I it's really like putting yourself kind of, in situations where you feel out of your depth so that you never are in a situation where you're daunted by feeling out of your depth because you, you know become you, invincible you, yeah. yeah and i think when, that's when why some, some people have really struggled with the fear. yeah yeah definitely. and i think that's why so many people have struggled with like the lockdown and the pandemic and whatever is because they've never hmm. been out of their comfort zone before because they've consciously or not consciously whatever they've just avoided it and now they're forced they've massively struggled whereas if you always put yourself in different situations or you you just know that you just kind of get a trust within yourself that things are going to work out no matter what mm. kind of happens and then you, you're not as fearful or you feel although it doesn't matter like, if it doesn't work out it. you'll survive yeah. and move on it's and not fatal. Yeah, yeah yeah between us and where we need to get to is fear yeah. in everything that we want to do and that's what makes us comfortable and keeps us back and you know the ability to break through that and realize that's not going to kill you in the process it's one of those things oh, this can i recommend another book is that allowed? yeah of course there is a great Costa, book. so graham we're going to have to give away two now but fine, fine oh, i'm fine. sorry well you can do an a or b but there's a great book called um rejection therapy i think that's not the name of it but it's a hundred days of rejection and it's by an american chinese guy and it is very funny. And basically what he does is he, he sort of grew up in this very traditional academic family that had high expectations of him and he failed. And then he said, I'm going to deal with that. So he went through a hundred days of rejection and like day one, he documented this all on YouTube. Go and watch it on YouTube if you don't want to read the book. Like day one, he would walk into um, Dunkin' Donuts and say, um, can I have three donuts rather than two and pay for two? And they would say, no, get out. But he dealt with it. And then like the next day he'd walk up to somebody and say, can I have your phone number? And then he would say, like third day he'd walk up to somebody, knock on their door and say, I've got a flower. Can I plant it in your garden? And they just become more and more outrageous. But he learned through this whole 100 days is that the more he put himself deliberately, he called it rejection therapy, in these positions of rejection, the stronger he grew. It's yeah. a great book. Where can people find out more about you? Go to my website. It's Graham Brown, Graham D. Brown. Graham Brown is the wallpaper website. So Graham D. Graham D. Brown. 
marketingmadeeasy.com. You can go in there. My videos are there. My podcasts are there. If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe. Fabulous. Interesting guy. And do you know what? I loved... Um, I've written down on my notes here, I've just noticed, when he was talking about that rejection therapy and that project mm. where the person said, I want to get rejected every day for, was it 100 days of rejection or something? And Yeah, 100 yeah. days of retail, if you could uh, go rejection and do therapy that, or what something. What an interesting thing, yeah. you know, just to kind of document well, how I've already feel. spoke to my daughter about it because we record this the other day and then we're doing like this uh, top and tail bit of it afterwards. And uh, actually, I did say, I told her about it. She was like, oh, yeah, send that to my mum. And I said, some of them are really easy, Serena. We, we would do them anyway. Like, they're not hard to us. But then others put you out of your comfort zone. Like, you know, going up to someone asking them for the number, that would not phase us at all. You know, so what if they say no? But going in a shop and saying, can I have three hot chocolates? I only want to pay for two. I'd find that. If someone said that to me, I'd be like, yeah. get out of here. No. And also, not so much that's like, you're it's quite awkward then for the person that works there because they might not have you know you don't want them to have their job in jeopardy because you've taught them into giving you two products for the so price, that's like something that people could feasibly say yes to and that if you're just a worker yeah. in starbucks you're not allowed to give away yeah. coffees are you probably no my look i'd get them to give me it and then they get sacked <laughs> So I don't want that. No. <laughs> um, don't want that on me. But yeah, maybe you need to go to an independent then and make sure that you're speaking to the manager. I don't know, overthinking that, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> yeah um, I, I did try, I tried to look through the book. I couldn't find the book, but I found like the YouTube. I think like, we've the got it. Website you know, like my yeah. husband buys books all the time. It's like, yeah, I just need to get time to read them. He must have 300 books on his in his pile of, mm. and I never really see him read. He reckons he wants to just, you know, win the lottery and sit on an island reading, which he's got, he's got the books to do it. But I swear to God, I've seen this somewhere. So I'm going to have a, a look. Yeah. There's books everywhere. Maybe it is in his, in his collection, but he shouldn't wait until he's um, won the lottery and then start reading. Tell him it's not. That's, I don't think that's a very good strategy. <laughs> no, do you not? <laughs> Me neither. I think it might be better. That's our word for 2022, isn't it? Like implementation. Implementation. Yes. just start... You must just start like um, implementing, like reading them books, yeah. just a little, just like half an to like Warren. Is it Warren Buffett? I think that's what he spends most of his time doing: reading, reading, reading. I spend I most to. of my time trying to force my kids to read, which yeah. is silly because they don't realise what a gift that is. Sit there for an sit there for half an hour, sit there for an hour and read. We'd love to get the chance oh, to do yeah. that. I even um, have to pay them. You know, Someone gave Christmas, me fifty I'm quid to read one book, which I've offered them hmm. um, every month. I'd bite the hand off. Yeah, they don't know they're born, these kids. They will when I'm living in Singapore and the dinner's not done. But anyway, we've got no, now a much-anticipated regular feature we now do, listeners, called Question of the Week. How's the jingle coming along, Anna? Yeah, it's doing well, yeah. I actually forgot to ask her to do it. So. <laughs> this question we get asked all the time, all the time, and this is for people who um, are right at the start of their social media journey, really, or they're giving it a go, but it's not working for them because it will never work for you in this situation. And the question is, what do I do on social media if I've got more than one business? It's a tough question, that. Because at one point, before we worked together and we created uh, Get Savvy Club, I there was a point when I was doing LinkedIn courses for, for my clients because I had a recruit, and, and then I was doing... I was a, had a recruitment business, so it's for my clients in the recruitment that I was doing the LinkedIn courses for. I had a recruitment business. I was doing a bit of network marketing, and I was also doing property sourcing. So how on earth do you show up and on social media with all that? So I did show up, and I was somebody that could easily show up. I showed up every single day pretty much. I was, everybody got to know, like, trust me. 
but there was a missing piece, missing element. Um, people didn't really understand how they could buy from me. And the reason behind that, I believe, is because there's just too many things going on um, that they couldn't, if somebody said, oh, do you know Anna Geary? They'd probably say, yeah, you're a Leicester fan, isn't she? Leicester City fan. And that would that'd be Plus it makes you look flaky, might, like you can't. Yeah. You can't stick to any particular thing. So and if actually, I give you money on one thing, fair, if you get bored of it, yeah. you'll move on to one of the other things you're doing. And I'll be like, oh, in, okay. Yeah, and every single area that I worked in, in 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 that, when I did all those four things, yeah, I was all right at all of them. But I, di- I wasn't, um, I didn't excel in any of them. There was You could find somebody better than me in the network marketing business. You could find somebody better than, than me at the LinkedIn courses at that time. Not now, obviously. You could find somebody better than me at recruitment. You could find somebody better than me at property sourcing because they were all in on that thing. Um, so although may, you may be competent and you may love doing lots of different things, people really don't care about that. They And if you want them to buy from you and access you and understand what you do and and you know actually be profitable, you are going to have to not wear two hats because people find it almost like a badge of honour. Oh, I wear two hats. Yeah, but that's yeah, confusing. But also, we don't say don't you wanna... have to change your business. You've just got to change yeah. your marketing. So it's absolutely marketing. fine to do two things or three things or however many things you want to do, but mm. you cannot make people understand all of those things and work out which one is for them and why it will benefit them. That's just too much. Well, and don't go around, because we get asked this as well, don't we? Don't go around thinking you can be um, mm. Mrs. Mop Cleaner, Mrs. Mop Seller on Instagram, and then corporate HR director on LinkedIn. Like you can't have two be two different things. You can't choose how because, someone will decide to yeah, find out about it. Someone you. goes to check check you out and think, oh okay, I follow them on LinkedIn. We're just gonna see if they have an Instagram. And then you're doing something completely different. They're just going to be confused and when we're confused we don't buy. So, so if you think um, about or, big business, um Coca-Cola do a, or used to do, I haven't seen one in ages, a diet coke advert just for Diet Coke. You know, they've got a shitload of products. Yeah. Not to they mention do. They've got loads really weird of versions of Coke. Now. But then they've also got all the other soft drinks they do. They don't just put a big menu on of all the different drinks they do because they're paying for that advert. They might as well shove it in and you never know who's watching. They are specific about who they're targeting and what the things that are going to attract that person is. And then they just do an advert for that. So, um, you know, if they are spending all that money on research and the top people to help them with marketing and they don't even like go, oh, by the way, I also do this and I also do that and you know all of that kind of thing then we definitely shouldn't be doing it the most recent diet coke advert i saw it was weird it was like a man on a um playground i think like um just rocking backwards and forwards and it was like diet coke what it was odd the other thing coke is and advert. i know it's a bit harsh and anna says i'm harsh thinking it but if i think it other people will think it um when i used to do networking when we used to be able to go into rooms with other people and hear about their businesses if someone stood up and said and i'll use this as an example because i did once hear this that someone said i'm a um social media manager and i also do hand painted wooden letters for nurseries and things like that and i immediately think we can't be very good at either then can you if you've got to do two things to make money so one of those things surely has to be a hobby or a sideline or something that you just do um and the one that you have to the, the one that you want to grow because you think that's where the money is and that's the one you enjoy doing the most then that's the thing to put your time and energy in on social media and become known for you can't become known for lots of different things and if you think about it like lots of people will say to me oh well look at Richard Branson he's got lots of different companies that he's known for but that's why he's pinned his brand on himself so Richard Branson is known as a personality and, he didn't start like and that. a quirky yeah. person in himself and then he owns all these businesses but they all do their own individual marketing as well based on their target markets so yeah because we spoke to an interesting guy didn't we the earlier this week and he has 
I think seven, eight different businesses, but he's not the face of that, that because that will get massively confusing. There's marketing faces for, for each individual one. I think um, that's probably so what yeah, you did, Anna, and social media to come become well-known. People knew you, and like you say, for being mm. a Leicester City fan and knowing you as a person rather than, I think probably some people couldn't have described what it is you did because they didn't know. They just know that they saw you popping up and being friendly and, and like knowing lots of people and that kind of thing all the time. I've been, um, well, how long have we had to get Savage Club now? Two and a half like years, that, something yeah. like that. So it's taken that long to like, and I actually got a call from somebody about helping them with property the other day uh, because they'd seen it on something and I have like somebody else that I send them over to now. I've had a nice chat with him. Actually, he's got an electrical business that he needs help with social media on. So, we can help him with that but um yeah so it's 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 worth going all in on one thing um for your marketing so you get known for that so it's not always the answer that people like to hear but it's the best answer for for you to get known it's the one that's going to work so that's got to be more important than it's just you know we're not we're not going to sugarcoat anything for you is um it is what it is you've got to just choose one and go all in but don't forget like anita said you can do the other things as well but just lead with your marketing but with one thing yeah so if you have a question, send it to yeah. us um, on social media or by email on info at getsavvyclub.co.uk. If you want to win the Toyota Way um, that Graham talked about, then screenshot the episode and um, mm. put it on social media and tag us in it and we'll pick someone out of a hat. Um, and then you can win a copy of the book. But I will read it first. Yeah, I'm going to read that, that Toyota Way. Mm. And the 100 rejections things, 100 days of rejection therapy. So I think if you get, if you do that, I might, yeah, I might look at doing like a similar thing, maybe like a, only like a 30 day rejection <laughs> challenge or something just to see how it goes. And uh, yeah, it, things we want to do in our business, say, eh? and then uh, just go out and get, get those no's fast to help us learn how we get the, the yeses moving forward. But cool. We will see you on the next one. Thursday for the quickie. Whatever that's from. See you later, guys. Bye. That was Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club. If you enjoyed it, connect with us on social media. Just search Get Savvy Club.